Welcome back to Crossing the Jordan, everybody. This will be the last episode, at least I'm planning on it, the last episode of this series talking about the Eucharist and the Mass before we move on to the other sacraments. So this last one we're going to talk about on uh, who can receive communion at a Catholic church. Um, this is actually one thing like in college that somewhat fueled my anti-Catholicism is because I went to an Episcopalian church and they let me receive their communion. And then I went to this Catholic church and they didn't let me receive their communion. I was like, what the heck? Like these people are just exclusionary. And I'm sure a lot of people have thought that, felt that um, I got to get out of the way. So let people in the pew to go by so they can re- go see, receive communion or I got to go up and put my arms across my chest. Um, and it was really out of like one of misunderstanding uh, of what that meant. And I didn't even know what they believed like. I had no idea that Catholics actually believed that that was Jesus that they were going to receive. So it's like, why can't I receive their bread? Jeez. Anyways, so there's very, very good biblical reasons for that. And we can see right from the start. So here's really the few things. We need to be baptized, which means we need to be spiritually alive. Right? It'd be silly to feed somebody who's not alive. So therefore, we shouldn't also spiritually feed somebody who's not spiritually alive because baptism gives us life. We need to be baptized. We need to believe and discern that this truly is the body and blood of Jesus. So like when you go up and somebody says the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, when you say amen, you're saying I put my life on it of what you just said is true. This is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. Like I'm saying amen fully. So I need to believe and discern that this truly is the body and blood of uh, of Jesus. And also, this is a sign of unity. So you need to be Catholic because every single time you go up there, you're not only saying that um, I believe that this is the body of Christ, but I also believe in the body of Christ, the church. I truly believe that this is the church that Jesus founded and everything they teach is true. So it's a sign of unity too. So like if like if you don't believe in the Catholic Church, then like it doesn't really make sense to be receiving. Um, and we need to be in a state of mortal sin. Uh, st- and we need to be clean of mortal sin. We cannot be in a state of mortal sin to receive Jesus purely, right? And so, um, and we even see this uh, being strongly talked about in the New Testament, Okay, so uh, St. Paul, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. this is right after the institution of the Eucharist in uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26. So starting verse 27, he says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks drinks judgment upon himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. So he's straight up saying that people are eating and receiving the body and blood of Jesus unworthily, and it's actually causing harm to themselves. It is making them liable to the to and uh, bringing judgment upon themselves for the death of Jesus profaning they are guilty of profaning the body and blood of the lord the same body and blood that saved us now we're now he's saying we're profaning when we're receiving in a guilty manner so all those instances if we're uh we don't actually believe but we're receiving 
and this is like knowingly too, right? Like if you're invincibly ignorant, like can't help it. Like God knows your heart. But like if you know like they actually believe this is Jesus and I don't, but I'm still going to receive or I'm going to stay, I'm in a, uh, I'm a, uh, not, um, I don't believe what the church teaches or I'm, you're Catholic, you're Catholic and all those things apply, but you haven't gone to confession in your state of mortal sin. What just happened? You're guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. And so um, this is not uh, something new. In the Old Covenant, this was exactly the same thing. If you flip, if we flip to Exodus chapter 12, let me get to Exodus chapter 12, verse 43. This is what it says in verse, starting in verse 43 of Exodus 12. And the Lord, and this is the ordinances of the Passover meal that which we've been talking about. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. Other words in the New Covenant, eat of it, eat of the Eucharist until you have been baptized, right? Because as St. Paul says, baptism is the new circumcision of the New Covenant. So no sojourner or hired servant may eat of it. In one house shall it be eaten. You shall not carry forth any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break a bone of it. All the congregation of Israel shall shall keep it. And back up really quick. You shall not break a bone of it. Jesus fulfills that when his uh, legs were not broken, right, uh, on the cross. So all the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger shall short, uh, sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. So right here, you see the need of unity for being in the covenantal family. So circumcision brought you into the family of God, the covenant, and same with baptism. So we need to be baptized. We need to be uh, uh, in unity. We can't be this foreigner. We can't just be this outsider trying to get in. Um, We have to be in, right? So um, yeah, so that's a symbol of unity. And most importantly, just like the wedding at Cana in the Gospel of John, this is another reason why Catholics in a state of grace can uh, um, in a state of grace can receive because this is like the sexual embrace in a marriage, right? So when we talk about marriage, just really quick, really quick, because I want to talk about the sacrament of marriage in a very profound way. But like this is the one uh, of the seven sacraments where like literally the sacrament is defined as instituted by Jesus. I'm like, where in the world did he institute marriage? Like, I don't see him marrying anybody in the gospels. But guess what? God himself has been trying to, uh, espouse himself to his bride, us since the very beginning. The Bible begins with a marriage and it ends with a marriage in revelation and throughout it, out it, God refers to himself, himself as the bridegroom and we are his bride we are the Israel of uh, Israel of God. We are the children of Israel, the church. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died for his bride. He is our bridegroom. And so it's a fully giving of himself, faith, faithfully, freely, fully, and fruitfully giving himself to the church, fully. 
fully. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring that out a little bit more when we talk about marriage and what fully actually means. Um, but so like when Jesus on the cross and Jesus at the Last Supper, he fully gives himself to the church, the bride. He actually espoused himself. So like just as Eve came from the side of Adam, now the church comes from the side of Jesus. And what's more intimate than the sexual embrace? Nothing. <laughs> That's the most, it's the highest expression, right? So like every single time, uh, it's just like the sexual embrace in marriage, be, two becoming one flesh in marriage, then you are prepared for the the complete giving of oneself to the to the other in the conjugal act, right? So like in marriage, you say your vows and then you actually make the conjugal act. So in the sexual embrace. So just as couples uh, may, you might say you're sorry, you make up before you enter into the conjugal, conjugal act. So too, that is why we ask for forgiveness as Christians at the beginning of mass. And it's, we're in, we're in this marriage with Jesus. We are his his bride to the bridegroom and this is the marital act so this is the most intimate union of all and that's why it has to be the most respected thing of all because this is truly god giving himself totally to us in the eucharist and us giving ourselves totally back and receiving him fully and so we have to be uh rightly in this relationship with him in this marriage act with him right so that's why we need to be in marriage, in this marriage with him in our baptism. That's why we need to say, we need to do the, do his will and to walk his ways. And that's why uh, we need to be in a state of grace. Like we go say sorry in the sacrament of confession if, we re- if we've committed any mortal sins that separated us from our bridegroom. And then we can come receive our bridegroom as his bride. We receive him fully. And uh, just talking about that sacrament of marriage in Ephesians 5 St. Paul says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church well what did he do he died for the church and so it's like I just want to make that connection of marriage and Jesus uh, um, he did institute it because it's finally God espousing himself to his people we are his bride he is the bridegroom and so that is multiple reasons why um, Catholics we need to be baptized. We need to believe and discern that that truly is the body and blood of Jesus. I put my life on it every time I say amen. It's a sign of unity to everything that the Catholic Church, the body of Christ teaches. And I need to be clean in a, in a uh, mortal sin. I need to be in a state of grace in order to receive it, to receive Jesus himself in the Eucharist. What a gift. I'm praying for you all. God bless you.